0: I'm Chris Reback. Welcome to another special episode of Quick Conversations featuring a guest speaker from our parent company, Kuhn & Noggle. Our podcast explores the extraordinary world of global supply chain logistics, how it keeps business and life moving. In part one of our two-part series, From Clinical Trials to Commercialization, the Pharma Healthcare Global Supply Chain, we discussed what's required to maintain a successful global supply chain, one that can include life-changing and life-saving shipments. In this episode of Quick Conversations, we're joined by a guest podcaster from our parent company, Cune & Noggle, Robert Coyle, Senior Vice President of Pharma and Healthcare Strategy. Also joining us again is QuickStats' Scott Ohanesian, Senior Vice President Operations, Clinical Trial Logistics. Together, they represent the end-to-end planning and execution of the pharma product lifecycle process. Now in Part 2, Communications, Expectations, and Hidden Heroes, we dig deeper into supply chain planning and strategy, specifically the critical role that clear, frequent communications plays. We'll also hear what it takes to move urgent, life-critical cell and gene therapies to and from patients, as well as to help manage some of the most important clinical drug trials of our time. One quick ask before we begin this second of our two-part series with Rob and Scott. If this podcast inspires a question you have for Rob or Scott, please reach out to them. Go to quick.arrow slash podcasts, that's arrow, A-E-R-O, and click on the Ask the Podcasters link. And if you'd like a transcript of the conversation, you also could download a copy on this page as well. Or visit Kuna Noggle's website at dot nogglecom and search for podcasts. Thank you. Here's part two of my conversation with Rob Coyle and Scott Ohanesian we began by exploring how communications protocols with pharma companies evolved as the COVID vaccine trials and manufacturing processes got underway.
1: What that did, Chris, for us, is it triggered a different level of conversation with our customers. What changed amazingly is it, it started to look at what was really at a high priority. How do we need to be more proactive? I see a much more of that. And I think that approach that we took from a Cuninago standpoint and not from a contract force majeure standpoint. We just got out and started educating on market situations, talking to our customers about what they thought they needed and what we thought they needed and how to react. It proved with all the innovation technology, supply chain
0: is still a people business. Scott, on communication, how do you think about communications and transparency when you're working across so many stakeholders? First
2: and foremost, to add to what Rob was saying there about communication and supply chain being a people business. It definitely is. Communication is critical. That, I think, goes hand in hand with transparency and stakeholders. What you really want to do is create a communication chain that you're able to scale. So as you have a larger supply chain, you're not throwing people at it. You're able to scale it through automation or through really efficient, streamlined communication, and then understanding what stakeholders need information when. There's already a mapped out plan What happens when something deviates from the normal supply chain and ensuring that when we're coming to them to communicate, that that communication is clear, it's on time, and it explains whatever deviation it might be and the resolution to that. For us, when we look at communication structures, it's really trying to understand how do you scale it, who should be involved and when, and also understanding what's important to the client with that.
0: I'm curious about your insights as well for the industry. Both of you, we all around the world have followed it and we hope are benefiting from the fact that these vaccines were created in record time and are now needing to get to their locations in super record time. The expectations that folks now have around trials and getting a vaccine, getting a pharmaceutical to market What do you see happening to the future of the pharma product life cycle? And how would you recommend pharma clients be thinking about the supply chain requirements and function as they are considering, okay, this market might be evolving. The expectations might be different going forward. What guidance might you have on that? During product life
1: cycle, the core element of any pharma healthcare is that product. What's critical during that whole stage is seamless logistics. We're able to move the freight. We're able to maintain that quality, which allows the efficacy of that product to truly be tested during clinical and allows the efficacy of that product to be effective as a commercial product. I think what's going to happen because of the speed of these products coming out, organizations are going to probably test some of the norms of the typical three, four, five years of product lifecycle to get to market to be a lot less. If Scott's working on an early stage clinical trial one, he and I are talking about that. The requirements for the product are clear. We can pick that up and deliver that into the commercial world. Making that seamless is very important in the product lifestyle. Scott,
0: thoughts from you on the industry going forward, on maybe evolved expectations and how the industry might want to think about the global supply chain portion given the potential for these new expectations or evolved realities?
2: I will definitely try to dust off my crystal ball. I think there's no way you go back to the same timelines as before. Now, that doesn't mean you're absolutely gonna mimic the same timelines we saw with some of these COVID-19 vaccines, but we know that it can be done. People are gonna demand more. I think you will see a lot of these therapies trying to get out to market sooner. How do you do that? A lot of those trials had this shift to direct to patient. A lot of the pharma companies that did that shift mm-hmm. might never have done direct-to-patient where a patient's treated with a the therapy in their home or patient samples taken from their home and sent back to lab ever before. We as a company have seen a 60% increase in direct-to-patient shipments, and we have a huge influx of more trials coming just year over year. A lot of that has been driven by COVID-19, and I don't think that goes away.
0: Clearly, that kind of growth drives significant changes. I asked Scott to describe some of them.
2: Well, what we saw was you got to retain patients in your trial. So it didn't stop a trial. What we've seen anecdotally is that a lot of the trials where direct to patient is an option, you see enrollment happen quicker. The ultimate outcome of that is you get through the phase of that trial quicker. That's something that's important. If you get good data or bad data, that's important because if you have a drug that's not going to make it to the next step, you know earlier. That's less wasted resources across the board. And if you know the drug's going to get to the next phase, you can focus your resources in on that. That makes us an industry more efficient.
1: Chris, I also just reiterate something that Scott said. The last twelve months, as hard as it's been on the world, I think the moments that I will remember the most is the folks that are on my team and Scott's team that are actually handling the product, driving the trucks. We've done a hidden hero stories out on our website for some of these folks. And the stories are phenomenal, Chris. When they say, you know, for 20 years, 15 years, I've been driving this truck and moving product, moving pharma, healthcare product. I never knew the impact that what I was moving until now, because I know my parent, my grandparent needs this drug.
0: As they both had noted, the pharma healthcare global supply chain means moving cell and gene therapies and personalized medicines, therapies that might involve critically ill patients or, as we know today, vaccines meant to save our societies. After so many years in the business, I wanted to hear more about one of the greatest challenges the industry has seen the Race to Create and Deliver a COVID-19 Vaccine. I asked Robin Scott to share what it's been like to engage with the global pharmaceutical companies and the COVID vaccine from clinical trials all the way through to getting shots into arms.
2: It's absolutely an exciting process. We've been working in this industry for decades and it, this has prepared us for this launch and really this sprint, less of a marathon, more of a sprint. From a quick stat and Kunanago product life cycle, quick stat's gonna be on the front end. Which that's going to be helping with the clinical development of the vaccine. We've been working with many different companies and many different vaccine makers. So we've had a hand in most of them that are coming out to market and some that are still being developed.
0: Scott mentioned one organization in particular that they'd been working with for many years on other clinical trials. Last spring, this company had a new urgent request. They were preparing a COVID-19 vaccine and needed immediate support to manage logistics and transportation around the materials and several phases of fast-tracked clinical trials.
2: What Quickstat needed to look at was what was the temperature that needed to be transported at? What temperature did it need to be stored at? What timeline did we have to get it from that manufacturer out to the packaging company, out to the sites? What level of oversight was needed? We were very much engaged and involved with planning that supply chain. And as we're doing that, we're thinking ahead of, if this actually gets approved, they're going to need to scale this up at a much larger level. And that's the perfect handoff to Kuna Nagel. Very early on, Rob Coyle was engaged, other people from the Kuna Nagel team. And as we started to see it go successfully through clinical trials, and we helped support that side of things with quality control samples, temperature controls, everything through clinical development. K&N already had a background so that they could go in front of that company and take it to the next
1: level. Rob, you took it from there? Took it from there. And that early engagement, not only on the design and supply chain, but early engagement with stakeholders in this company helped to build some confidence and start to share what some of the options of possibility could be. What did that look like? Those engagements, those conversations? Well, I think that it was very interesting because typically what we've seen for years is the customer will bring a design to us, right? This is what I want. Tell me how much it's going to cost me to build. In this scenario, it was here's the outcome we think we're going to need. We're not sure how much volume or all the places and when they're going to come into play. This is what we think we need. How do we build a design that's flexible to be able to handle some of these assumptions that could change over time? That early engagement with Scott and the QuickStat team really helped us to take a look at not what we thought the customer was going to ask, but with our experience, what would we do? I think that was key. Take me through the steps of the process. How did it work? Our first design decision was to put a warehouse in Europe and a warehouse in the U.S. that not just would serve those markets, but would serve those markets via road logistics or the surrounding countries, but had access to some of our more capable airport capability to be able to do air logistics around the globe. The one thing we did add for COVID-19 in our air logistics, something we call our airside capability. Anyone in logistics will know when it gets to the tarmac in a hot environment, that's where some of those risks can come in or a cold environment. Having Kunanagal staff on the tarmac for that airside solution reduced some of that risk, especially for our COVID-19 customers. We also, Chris, put in place what we call our hypercare team. People all around the globe, people coming up and down, and we're monitoring shipments with updates similar to what QuickTat does in clinical on 15-minute updates to make sure we provide that hyper care so there's no worry about the products moving. It's been really exciting, Chris, to leverage all that capability and do that design. That iterative design allowed us to ebb and flow as the customers' requirements were changing. Now, minus 70 to minus 20, companies are getting better data on stability to get to 2 to 8, some products are coming out two to eight.
0: I asked Robin Scott to explain what's involved in transporting highly temperature sensitive vaccines and drugs.
1: Scott, I'm sure we'll talk about in the quick stat control towers. We are hand holding every portion of that shipment, Chris. Is it set up right? Is it packaged in the right way? When you package these goods, you're preconditioning almost like gel packs that go into the case. Has that been set up right? Has it been sealed correctly? Are the sensors on that product? Are the sensors reading throughout the exercise? Have we picked all the top-notch carriers that we know we're going to get data back from? Do we have the stakeholder plan set up in case there is an issue that we need to look
0: at rerouting? That whole process, we will walk through the shipment before it even leaves. Scott, any conversation, anything behind the curtain that you're quickly able to bring to life?
2: Absolutely. One, for example, was just early stages just within the U.S., where you were shipping a vaccine that had to go on dry ice and there was a lot of flight cancellations So you're going into smaller markets and you don't want to be stuck in a situation where supply chain is delaying dosing of any patients. You need to get this vaccine out to trial as soon as possible. There are actually cases where we sat down with the company in particular. We looked at using charter aircraft again, which is not something you'd see every day. And we use the charter aircraft to actually fly into different locations, unload the vaccine, fly on to another location, tracking the planes, then tracking the vehicles on their way to the site, having them arrive at the site an hour early prior to the people there that are going to be taking the vaccine off and into the hospital to dose those patients in clinical development was just really exciting to see.
0: It had to have been. Scott, Rob, you've shared a lot of exciting updates in this conversation and importantly, shined a tremendous and deserved spotlight on pharma, healthcare, and the global supply chain. Thank you. Thank you for your insights and your time. And thank you for the work that you and your colleagues do every day.
2: Thank you, Chris. Pleasure to be here. Thanks very much.
0: That was my conversation with Rob Coyle and Scott O'Hanesian on the topic of communications, expectations, and hidden heroes. If you missed part one of the two-part series, which explored from clinical trials to commercialization, the Pharma Healthcare Global Supply Chain, or have a question for Rob or Scott, visit slash podcasts, that's arrow-a-e-r-o, or visit Cune Noggle's website at Cune-Noggle.com and search for podcasts.